You're listening to the DCC Sermon Podcast. For more information about Dayton Christian Center, you can visit dcctx.church. Now let's join Pastor David Hilton for this week's message. Well, if you got your Bibles, turn to Amos. We're going to look in Amos chapter 1, and the title of this message is The Danger of Indifference. The Danger of Indifference. And in Amos chapter 1... It says, the words of Amos, who was among the shepherds from Tikoia or whatever it is, which is envisioned, which he envisioned in visions <laughs> concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. Now there is a mouthful right there in itself because what you see right off the bat is is that Amos is is fixing to be called on the scene and all he was was a shepherd farmer. That's all he was. He was a shepherd farmer who God had envisioned, had gave him visions concerning Israel. And now here this guy that is just minding his own business out in the middle of nowhere, which the word tika or however you say it, tikoya or whatever, it means a trumpet blast. And when I went and I seen that and I thought, hmm, that sounds kind of like God's fixing to do something here. You know, he's fixing to bring a guy out of obscurity that is happy being in the background, that is happy shepherding sheep and messing with figs, he uh, pruning fig trees. He's just living his life. And God interrupts his life two years before the great earthquake. And an earthquake is something that is going on in the inner workings that's fixing to change the outward character of everything around it. And it's in the Bible, when you begin to read things like this, it never says these things just to say things. And we're living in this day right here. Because an earthquake is a shaking. It's an, it's, it's an uh, expose. Listen, a lot of things have been exposed through the shaking that we've gone through. Come on. The wickedness in our government and the indifference in our culture. It, it's just, it's been exposed. See, that's what pressure does. And it exposed, it's an inner stirring. There's been an inner stirring going on and it's been God stirring this thing. Because what he's doing is bringing that correction and order back to his church of what it's supposed to be. Now, here's the deal. The, the, the time in which Amos walked into town there was, uh, there was so many social injustices going on. And, and the, it was, had become a kind of a melting pot of 
just play in church. And the, the upper class, the, the social injustice, the, the upper class was just kind of indifferent and going on about their business and the poor were being exploited and the judicial system was corrupt. Come on. And Amos shows up and, and what's really bad is the religious organizations had gotten corrupt because of the prosperity that the just the over amount of prosperity that was happening you know people were just going about their everyday routine life becoming indifferent come on are y'all with me that word indifference marked by no special liking or dislike of something neither good or bad neither right or wrong. They became indifferent. See, the abundant wealth had lured the upper class to sleep, which led to a lack of concern for the sickness of their society. And God said, okay, I've had enough. You've been playing church long enough. You've been doing it without me long enough. Come on, and I've got so much more. I've got so much more for you. You are to be my people, and now you're just getting caught up in this daily routine and become indifferent. See, and we've allowed this to happen. We've allowed it to happen. We've allowed them to silence us to just be indifferent because, see, we don't have a biblical worldview anymore. See, there's no biblical absolute truth anymore. See, we've allowed a level evolution and choice and preference take over our very thought process where we develop right thinking. And we can't even develop right thinking anymore because they're telling us however you feel today, that's what bathroom you're going to get to go in. Come on. How, that don't even make sense. But I can give you an update. If, you walk, if you're a man and you walk into a bathroom with my granddaughters in it, I assure you, you're not going to stay in there long. That's just not going to happen. And thank goodness we got plenty of people to preach in here for me till I get out of jail because I'm on wreck shop. That's just wrong thinking, y'all. That's just wrong thinking. And at some point, they're going to pressure us to the place where, wait a minute, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. See, and this kind of social injustice doesn't do those who are confused any good. See, we become indifferent. We don't like it or we don't like it. We just see it's neither good or bad. See, Amos shows up out of the field. He just shows up out of the field. And here's what cracks me up about Amos. The, he only prophesied for a few days. They finally, you, the, the preachers said, no, you can't stay here. <laughs> we don't like what you're saying. <laughs> you got to go. And, he, and here's what he told them. He said, 
I'm not a professional prophet. You can't, you didn't hire me. You can't fire me. And guess what? I'm going to say exactly what God lays on my heart. And if you don't like it, you can lump it. And he said what God had to say. And then he left and an earthquake came. Come on, are y'all hearing? Does this even sound any remotely like what's going on? Because I'm telling you, for years, God's been stirring on the inside and He's been bringing people out from behind, come on, who are listening because the rest of the culture that we is just not listening, they become indifferent. And it's become dangerous to our culture and our society. And so now we've got, we've got a whole generation of people that don't even know biblical history. And so when you go up and tell somebody, hey, you got to get saved, repent and get saved, they're like, for what? They don't know from what. They don't know they need Jesus. Listen, when we were in school, we, we knew we were doing wrong. Why? Because grandmama and mama was praying and telling us that's not right. <laughs> right? Nowadays, everybody gets to play. Everybody gets a trophy. <laughs> See, when society has become dangerously indifferent, it leads to lots of confusion and strange ideologies. See, we get to trying to justify our convictions through strange thinking. Well, they're just boys, and well, we're just... Come on. See, you can't ignore the truth. See, there's a wake-up call going out across this land. It's waking us up to biblical truth, to where believers are going to rise up and stand for biblical truth. And we don't have to be unloving and hateful and bigoted like they're calling us. Listen, that's not unloving and hateful and bigoted just because we stand up for biblical truth. There's no greater love than you spanking your child to keep them safe. Come on. You can save your child a lot of headache with a good old butt whooping. I'm telling you. And save yourself a lot of headache. See, we have to learn to seek the kingdom of God, not just to be right. There's a lot of people who are just wanting to be right right now. And all the laws and everything that they're passing and some of the things, the programs they're trying to start is just not working. It ain't going to work. It's just not going to work until we get back to biblical truth. Because the word in Matthew 6, 33, it says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things shall be added to you. That is a very simple principle. Seek God first. Seek his kingdom first. It doesn't say seek God first. It says seek his kingdom and his righteousness 
and then everything will be added to you. And there is a mouthful in that that we don't seek his rule and his authority and how to stay in right alignment with it and everything will be added to you. That's how simple that is. And that's what, that's what you got to do. Listen, you drive on the wrong side of the road here, what happens? You have a head-on collision and die. That's just a basic, simple principle and rule. You drive on the right side of the road. And that's just how the kingdom of God works. It's that simple. You seek his rule, his authority, his principles, and they work. The promises of God. When Haley wrote that song, that second song we did, his promises always stand true, no matter if the water's rising or not. And she wrote that song when her house was flooding. Come on. And listen, he's working everything for your good. It doesn't matter if you're standing knee deep in water. Because his promises are still good. Man, that's a golly, Haley. See, we can't get so busy trying to survive that we forget the very simple principle to seek God, seek his kingdom first. The danger we face with indifference is complacency. Because we do, we get complacent being totally unaware of the danger that's coming. And that's exactly why Amos was called out of the field when everybody else got indifferent and complacent. Amos had to show up and say, hey, God's fixing to do something here. There's something coming. God's fixing to do something here. This is not what he has called us to do. Listen, and, it, and it's, no, it's no accident that he called somebody out of the tribe of Judah of praise. Come on. See, when the gospel turned from good news to repent or else you're going to hell, that's not good news. <laughs> that's what we did. Repent, you sinners. You're going to hell. That's not the gospel, y'all. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that you don't have to live under the thumb and shame of sin and guilt and shame and condemnation. That's good news. That's what stirred people. When Jesus walked through the town and people were getting set free, delivered, come on, that's what saved them is because they didn't have to live like that anymore. They didn't have to live under the shame. The lady with the blood disorder, she didn't have to live that way anymore. The woman with the demons, the prostitute, they didn't have to live that way anymore. They didn't have to live selling themselves. Come on. Jesus came through and gave their life worth again. That's what the good news is. Where once you were a mess and broken because of how we lived, the choices that we made, we can make a good choice in Jesus and choose life and life abundantly. Come on, joy, peace, wholeness, where we were fragmented and just seeking for answers in everything and everybody instead of the one that could do something about it. 
That's what creates a hunger. That's what creates a, that desperation to get to Jesus no matter what customs of religion you break. Come on, because that's what that woman with the blood disorder, she went through them crowds, didn't say a word, snuck up behind him. She was supposed to declare herself unclean. Yet she did not. She broke every custom, every rule, just to get to the hem of his garment. And I'm telling you right now, our church services are going to start looking more like that. They're going to start looking more like the man who screams out, hollering over the crowd, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And everybody's telling him to shut up and be quiet. Come on, that's what our church services are fixing to start looking like. There's fixing to be some divine interruptions during the midst of the services where you throw your program out the window. Come on. There's fixing to be people coming back to Jesus who need healings that no doctor, that no government official, no pro, come on, can do. People need to be set free. There's anxieties at an all-time high in America. When you got 10-year-old kids killing themselves because of anxiety, come on, man. We're not progressing in our society. We're degressing. Is that a word? Degress? Come on, we, we've got all the greatest things in the world. It's like a friend of mine called the other day, said he was headed to Vegas. What do I need to see? I said, you're going to see it all there. <laughs> There's not going to be anything to the imagination there. It's the greatest that man can build. And yet them people are hurting. Hurting. I used to spend weeks at a time there and I'm telling you, it, was, it would grate on you after a while until I figured out where sin abounds, grace abounds more. I didn't have to be scared of it. I didn't have to run from it. I just needed to be a light in the midst of it. And I'm telling you, for years after that, it changed my whole deal. Changed my whole deal. I just act like I own the whole place. I'm telling you, we've got to change. We, we've got to learn that we are to possess and occupy. When we seek first the kingdom, we can do that. We can do that. See, we're to teach biblical truths to those who believe, not just to get them to repeat a prayer and wait to go to heaven. That's not the deal. See, we have to also teach people that, hey, listen, there is a trap out there waiting on you. Nobody ever told me when I said the prayer that there's a trap waiting on me, that the enemy's fixing to, he's fixing to try to trap me back. You want to know why when you come to Jesus and you say the prayer and you just go headlong backwards? Because we never were taught there was a trap waiting on us. That there is an enemy out there. Come on. See, we haven't set folks up 
for success. We set them up for failure. We inoculate people to the Holy Ghost when we just say, say this prayer after me. Y'all know what inoculation is? We give vaccines and inoculation. We give them a little bit of it so that they won't catch it. And when you do just a blanket, okay, everybody say this prayer, and you think people, they've got all they need. And so the Holy Spirit gets them to the point to where he's like going, hey, we need to work on this right here. It's like Heather said this morning, we, 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 we need to adjust some things. Well, they think, well, heck, I've said the prayer. What do I need to adjust? I'm going to heaven. Come on, are y'all with me in here? See, so God is doing an inner stirring and he's calling things out. He's bringing some unorthodox ways out and, and it's to get us to adjust and correct so that we can go forward with what God wants to do in our day which we live right here. There are so many people that are hurting right now. There are churches closing by the droves. There are hundreds and thousands upon millions of people not going back to church because they believed what man, a man has said. They've trusted in man instead of trusting in God. Come on. So we've got a lot of people hurting, a lot of people leaving, a lot of people, come on. And we're going to have to be a light. We don't have to live, oh my God, we're living in the last days. <laughs> That's not how God wants his people. Psalms 91.3, For it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. Man, that is good news right there. Because I'm telling you, there's a trap and there's deadly pestilence right now as we speak, right? But who is it? Fauci? Is that the he he talking about? I don't think that's the he he talking about. Biden, Kamala? That, that ain't who's going to deliver us here. No, God. Ephesians 6 12, 13, for our struggle is not against Kamala and Biden and Fauci, I mean flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Look at these words, against the rulers, against spiritual world forces of darkness, Come on, that tells me that what's going on that I can't see, there is an entity out there that is laying every trap, every snare that it can, and you know what? The church has been oblivious to it. Been oblivious to what's going on in the spiritual realm. When the Bible tells us it's clear and as plain as day, there's an enemy that you're fighting and you can't fight it with your flesh. Let me tell you something. You can drop as many bombs and shoot as many bullets on Muslims as you want to and you ain't going to change their ideology. 
until you sit down with them. Come on. And have a discussion on Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not Ishmael. <laughs> right? You, I don't care how many bombs you drop on them. They love it. Because their ideology says, I'm getting a bunch of virgins when I leave here. How are you going to kill that? Right? You ain't. Because our struggle is not with flesh and blood, but it's against deceptive spiritual forces, come on, that deceive people's thinking. Are y'all with me? See, when we're fighting with a spiritual force of wickedness that affects our everyday life, it affects our everyday life. See, we can't, we can't see all those snares, so we need God. We got to have Him. See, and there's a lot of snares that we, we don't even never even know that's there. Because when we tie ourselves to God's covenant, He rebukes the devourer on our behalf. Come on, it's that simple. We're getting back to a place in this country where correction and order's coming back and it's going to be a people who are tied to God's covenant and His presence is amongst them and He's rebuking the devourer on their behalf. How many times, how many times have you seen God after the fact in your life? I'm telling you, we burn a trailer to the ground with cattle in it and after the fact, we seen God's hand on top of every one of them cows and calves in that trailer. Not one hair was singed on a 40-foot stock trailer loaded with cows and calves. Not one hair was, and I got the picture that rim was bent when it settled on the asphalt where it burnt the trailer down. Burnt the paint, the top, and those cows just sat right in there and amongst them. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And you know why? Because there was a trap trying to be laid. But God said, no, nope, not today. And we always pray over all of our trucks and trailers. We've got a couple out right now on their way home. And we always pray on, over everything. But we didn't own the trailer. But we did own the cows in it. And the only thing the devil could touch was the trailer. Come on, are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Now you can tie yourself to the covenant or you don't have to. That's not my deal. But I'm going to tie myself to the covenant. And God's going to rebuke the devourer for my behalf. And we're going to use everything that the devil means for bad for good. And we're going to be a light. And let me tell you, that's good news. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's a God who is roaring again saying, hey, I'm not dead. I'm still alive. Come on, man. I, got, um, I, got a, I could sit here for two hours telling you testimonies of what God's done in our life. Over and over. Listen. Everything that concerns us, he concerns him. 
our kids, our animals, everything. He watches over all of that. God's not too busy trying to fix the world that he doesn't concern himself with the very little things. Man, that's, how comforting is that? I'm telling you right now. His rule, his authority is what keeps our lives out of the snare of the trap of the enemy. Mark 14, 38 says, keep watching and praying that you may not come into temptation. That word is adversity. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Look what he says. Keep watching and praying. That word means to be vigilant and to stay awake. Stay awake. And when his people become dull of hearing and they fall asleep, guess what? Hey, wake up. Wake up. See, adversity's coming. Wake up. Adversity's coming. That's what God's been doing, y'all. He has been waking us up saying, hey, it's time to wake up. Flesh is weak. Spirit's willing. Listen, our flesh is never going to like all the promises and principles of God. <laughs> right? Let me say it this way. Our flesh is never going to like all the principles because our flesh don't like to die to itself. Right? I mean, that's why tithing is such a taboo thing to preach about. It's because our flesh doesn't like to give, let go. But I'm telling you right now, if I took the moment and said, okay, who's got a, a, a testimony about tithing in here? Let me tell you something. Hands would start going up all around. We'd be here for the rest of the half of the day. Because I'm telling you, people understand that and it changes their life. And do we like it at first? No, we don't like it. Do we trust it? No, we don't. But why, that's why God says, test me in this. And I'll show you what it means. It's a principle. And man, the promises are amazing. Come on. See, there's a valuable lesson to be learned when Jesus said to go tell Peter. Because what happens is, is we've, we've created a culture in America where we feel like we have to take a shower before we clean up, before we have to take a shower. We feel like we've got to get cleaned up to come in the house of God. Because we've preached such a guilt and condemnation preaching. Oh, well, you, you know, our, our worth derives from getting to do things or not. Does that make sense? Or let me clear this up a little bit. See, sometimes when people come into the body of Christ, we keep them at arm's length until we understand okay, you're going to come in here and be like us. Right? What did Jesus tell the priest and the Sadducees? You're going to make them twice the sons of hell that you are. <laughs> 
and you're just going to get them into obligation and duty, just doing things. And so what we see is, is we see Peter screw up bad. We see him mess up and deny Jesus. And then Jesus, he didn't say, okay, Peter, you're just going to be in timeout for a little while until you can get with the program. No, go tell Peter. What that did was, is that automatically took the shame off of Peter. Come on. See, you want to know why people live Sunday after Sunday and never get set free? It's because shame is still of what they did. See, when we preach a guilt and condemnation preaching just to get everybody saved all the time to say a prayer instead of teaching them the good news and we just sit there Sunday after Sunday hearing how sorry we are. See, that's what was so powerful when Jesus said, daughter, come home. When's the last time somebody gave her worth like daughter. Come on, we've, we've, got a, we've got a gospel that is amazing about setting people free. And yet we've reduced it to just going to heaven. See, it's time that we get out from underneath the guilt and the condemnation so that we can walk free and be the people that God's called us to be, the sons and the daughters. Come on, are y'all hearing me? Anybody in here? Listen, Peter messed up bad. Everyone has failed. Everyone has fallen. Everyone has gone backwards in our walk. We've all done it. And yet Jesus doesn't say, well, you're... Your damaged goods. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Just because you bang a can of beans doesn't mean it ain't no good. Regardless of how far we think we are, Jesus still sees value in you. We just have to learn to make the right choices. And that's what's so amazing about God's grace. And that's what grace is for. Grace is not to sit and cover you till you go to heaven. It's to be able to live out the demand that the Bible puts on our life. Deuteronomy 30, 15, See, I've set before you today life and prosperity and death and adversity. We got two roads out in front of us. We get to pick which one we want to be on, right? And then in Deuteronomy 30, 19, he tells us which to choose. Choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants, that means me and all my kids and my grandkids. The choices I make today are going to affect my kids and my grandkids. Come on. That's how powerful this is. By loving the Lord your God, by obeying His voice, and by holding fast to Him, for this is your life and length of your days. Come on, that's good stuff. That's a promise. Seeking God to, to know Him and to keep, it keeps us from becoming indifferent. That's what keeps us becoming indifferent. 
and it keeps us prospering and it keeps us aware of we are in our day and time. Listen, every, every generation has had its own things to deal with. It's always been that way. With the same thing, Amos, listen, the devil has no new tricks. He just tries to redo the same ones over and over. He tries to get us complacent, tries to get us indifferent, tries to get us, just lull us to sleep, tries to get us to become dull of hearing, tries to get us in a routine to where we just, oh, well, I'm just, you know, kind of hanging out. Come on. We, it's not a time to get spiritually lazy. See, the truth of the gospel will never change. Nor how to stay in right alignment with it. God's not changing His deal. There's still only His way, the truth. See, regardless of what our social perverted justice warriors try to tell you, the biblical truth doesn't change. The way to come into the kingdom does not change, and that's through Jesus Christ. That is through repenting of your sins. That is seeking God first. Listen, those things will never change. Our methods, yeah, they'll change a little around here. Then, I, Good Lord, no telling what the next generation will do with this. But I'm telling you, those methods will change a little bit. But the gospel, the good news, how to get in right alignment never changes. You can bank on that. See, we have to hold fast to him. And he is the life and length of our days. We can't get caught up in all this plain nonsense. See, there's lots of injustices out there right now. And it's easy to get ticked at it. Because it, it don't take long to look at the news and just get plumb. It's hard to even watch weather anymore. We just can't get caught up in it. We can't let it harden our heart to love our neighbors to do what God's called us to do. Because that's when we stop possessing the land is when we become indifferent. And we are called to possess the land, not to let unrighteousness rule it and run it. Leviticus 20, Hence I have said to you, you are to possess their land, and I myself will give it to you to possess it. A land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God who has separated you from the peoples. And that to me is the most scariest thing because what we've done in churches, we've separated ourselves from the land. We've separated ourselves. We've let the Left Behind series scare us into, come on. Listen, we're supposed to be out there raising the standard, not conforming to it. That's what we're called to do. We're called to be a light shining on a hill. We're not called to cover it up and just wait for it all to go to hell in a handbasket. Come on. We're to be possessing 
occupying the land. Now look in Amos chapter uh, 9. Show you what God says. Verse 11, in that day, it's what Amos is telling them. You got to remember, they, they just really become too prosperous and religious for their own good. What God says after he tears it all down, <laughs> shakes it all up. He says, in that day, I will raise up the fallen booth of David and wall up its breaches. I will also raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old. Listen, he's saying he's going to stir it up. He's going to rouse it up in all the gaps and the holes. He's fixing to fix all that. But what's so amazing is what he says. He says, I am going to rebuild the fallen booth of David. He didn't say the tabernacle of Solomon. He didn't say the temple of Solomon or the tabernacle of Moses. He said, I'm going to rebuild David's tabernacle because David's tabernacle was 24-7 praise and worship, the presence of God. It was, it was that undignified, come on, See, Moses' tabernacle was real solemn, assembly. The temple of Solomon was beautiful, and it was, you know, it was tough. But he says, I'm going to raise up that 24-hour praise and worship. That's why Amos came from the tribe of Judah, out of the middle of nowhere, somebody that was going to turn the religious world upside down, come on, come out of that system, came in and said, here's what God's fixing to do. He's fixing to rebuild all this. What you've made of it, he's fixing to get it back to what it's supposed to be. Peter talks about it in the book of Acts. This is what's going on. God's rebuilding He's bringing and setting up this fallen booth. Look what else he says. I will also raise up its ruins, rebuild it in, as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations who are called by my name, declares the Lord who does this. Listen, and here's the thing about Edom. Edom was the name given to Esau who gave up his birthright. To me, this is probably the saddest place that we're at in America because there is a lot of people, Christian people, who just give up their birthright and say, I just, I'm just going to show up and I'm not going to possess. I, I'm just, I'm just, I don't need to read. I don't need, I'm not praying. I'm worshiping. I'm just kind of going through the motions, kind of hung up in the routine. Come on, are y'all with me in here? Esau sold his birthright. And I think a lot of times, just like Heather said, we, we squander our potential 
when we're made for so much more. When God's called us to do so much more. God says, I'm fixing to rebuild this thing. I'm fixing to bring correction and some order. And let me tell you something. You're going to possess everything that those people that don't want to possess, you're going to possess it. I'm telling you, it's like every week I have pastors telling me this church is closing, this church is closing, these people aren't coming back. 3,000 pastors were resigning a month before the pandemic. Now ten to 15,000 are resigning every month and just closing the door. Huge buildings are just being foreclosed on right now. Come on. And the ones that are just trying to come up with another program to get everybody back, they're going to close. Because see, this, this round, God's rebuilding it. Man, are y'all with me in here? God's rebuilding this. This ain't a man. It says God is the one who does this. And listen... I, I can tell you, going and preaching and doing conferences and everything, when you put your hand on it, it messes it up. But when you step back and you allow the Holy Spirit to move and to work, let me tell you something. I, it, it is nothing like you'll ever see in your life. That's when the anointing comes in and it breaks the yoke and it removes the burdens. Come on, we need the anointing of God back in our church services and that's going to be Him rebuilding it and we're just going to occupy and possess what He's doing but we're going to have to learn to follow the Holy Spirit and not try to lead Him. Come on. God's called us to so much more than to just show up on Sunday and just have a service. See, there needs to be an expectation and a hunger that drives us. God, I, I, just, I just want to sit in your presence. And let me tell you, when we're seeking his kingdom first, the devil can do everything he wants to trying to set snares and traps and we just walk right through them. Come on. I'm telling you, I don't know about everybody else, but DCC's walked right through this trap in this snare that he's tried to set. We haven't missed a lick. Come on. Man, y'all stand. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when the plowman will overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed, when the mountain will drip sweet wine and all the hills will be dissolved. Also, I will restore the captivity of my people Israel and they will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. 
They will also plant vineyards and drink their wine and make gardens and eat their fruit. Listen, I'm telling you right now, the church's best days are ahead of it, not behind it. They're ahead of us, not behind us. I'm telling you, people are coming. People are coming. Are you ready? On your jobs. Let me tell you, you may be the only thing making your job survive. You might be the only... When you tie yourself to the covenant, when you're... Come on. You might be the only thing keeping that company afloat. That's how big God is. That's how good God is. Father, we come to you today. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in our time. Lord, we are so blessed to be living to see this. Father, I thank you right now. We pray over our children. Lord, I thank you as we begin to occupy, as we begin to uh, possess our land, that our children see that and it will just develop all the way down through their life to know that our God is God. Father, we thank you right now for all you're doing. We thank you for our health. We thank you for what you've put before us to do. And Lord, I thank you right now as we go forward this weekend, as we begin to watch and pray, as it will take us forward into what you have called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Y'all give the Lord a hand. We love y'all. We'll see you Wednesday night. Thank you for listening to the DCC Sermon Podcast. If you enjoyed this message and would like to hear more, you can subscribe to our podcast and YouTube channel. If you would like to give towards our ministry, there are giving options available at dcctx.church. Thanks again for listening to the DCC Sermon Podcast.